Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money Show, episode 62. This, the election night edition. I'm just kidding. We're not going to get into politics at all. This is your breakaway, other than the fact that we are proud Americans and you're seeing all the American flag paraphernalia if you're watching this live, but we are not going to go into it at all because you know what? This is your escape from the craziness of the world. There may be fire all around you, but right here, cool as a cucumber. In this show, we will review UFC Vegas 12, Hall versus Silva, as sad as that ending was, and preview UFC Vegas 13, Santos versus Teixeira. I am Bob Voss, your favorite garbage man at MMA State of Mind on Twitter. Here with, no, we got both mics here. We're here with Real Mike, Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope, Just Win, and Mikey Gilman at Mikey Gills. That's Gills with a Z. Again, man, seriously, this guy He's letting us know you cannot follow without the Z. If it's an S, that guy, he doesn't want that attention. The pictures are getting awkward. And I, I've, I've been heard that he's on a registry somewhere. So Whoa, you don't want to send him stuff anyway. It's, it's getting awkward. X-rated. Getting X-rated over there. Okay, so ah. follow, and follow the show on Twitter at MMA4MoneyShow. That's where you get info from the show, different ways to watch. We post out bad. Like, there's tons of good stuff. Uh, Real Mike, it's been a while since you were here at the beginning, so I haven't been able to ask you this in a while. So I'm just, just going to ask you, how you been doing? How you doing, man? Uh, man, I've been doing good, working my ass off in Hollywood, and then uh, I got sick for about a week straight, so just finally got some rest, and then go back uh, to working and building. So uh, doing great, stoked to be here on Election Day. Uh, obviously, we love America, love our USA flag, so that's why we're supporting it. Uh, and uh, just stoked to be here to talk about some fights. Mike Gills. How's life in your red, white, and blue tinted glasses? Yeah, you know, it's just it's pretty good over here. Uh, doing the most American things I can think of, drinking uh, the great American beer right here and eating Halloween candy. Doesn't get owned by a French company. Oh, why you gotta why, why you gotta like that? <laughs> Sorry, it says it on the can, man. <laughs> man, he I told him earlier that he ruined it. I had 805. See, look, I was drinking a real beer with an American koozie. 805 Brewery located here in Ventura County, California, USA, Bay Bay. That could be like, uh, that could be anything under that koozie. We don't know. <laughs> don't make me strip, bro. I don't, I don't want to strip like you. <laughs> well, the MMA4 Money Show is here live. If you're watching us live right now, you're watching us live on Twitch, Periscope, or YouTube, or you're just catching that little snippet right here on your Twitter feed, click on it, share it, all that was wonderful things. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, your RSS feed. If you're watching us live on YouTube, we have the full-length shows on there. Tidbits are starting to come back up. Just little snippets of the show talking about how well DraftKings did or how well our bets did or what the bets actually are or just like just reminiscing on when Anderson Silva was Anderson Silva. All that good stuff is up there from last week, and we'll have more coming from this week. Well, we're going to jump right into UFC Vegas 12. I am going to go over the results of said event, and then we will go back through on a couple of 
go over the bets as well as going over how DraftKings did. But first, before that, all of that goes, we're going to go over the results. I mean, obviously, most of you probably watched it. For those of you who didn't or missed things that don't really matter, we're going to go through it quick. Okay, so Miles Johns got a TKO KO with an uppercut in the third round over Kevin Felice Navidad. Justin, Dustin, every single time I say Justin, Dustin Jacoby got a KO, TKO, round one, leg kicks and punches. Jason Witt got the arm triangle. I was way off on that one. I thought Cole Williams had a chance. I was wrong. Uh, John Stern came back after a hellaciously long time away, up away class where he got a name decision over Jack Marshman. Adrian Yanez got that head kick KO. Big props to uh, if the Jeff King's pricing actually went to Mikey Gills, who had them in that lineup. Alexander Hernandez, who I said we should really – I really thinking about him – on, in the distance, but I'm gonna stay away from props. Oh, so mad, so mad about that. Go in the distance. Oh, it's, it's gonna be so easy, and he gets it in the first round when it was like plus 175. These are the times you kick yourself. Either way, Bobby Green was going to be our king of quarantine, but you know what? He lost decision to Tiago Moises, which I never thought I would say that phrase. Kevin Holland got a TKO KO, although depending how it's categorized at your sports book, someone by submission, because as he slammed. Uh, slammed Charlie, the the last minute replacement. There was a neck injury via slam where he had a verbal submission. So it kind of depends on how your, how your sports book or the official went with that. Greg Hardy yeah, got a KO TKO with a power jab to ground and pound over Morris Green. Bryce Mitchell, our lone bet after the fallout of the actual from Kevin Holland, our only bet on the night cash for one unit as Bryce Mitchell got that evening decision victory over Andre Feely. And the sadness happened in the main event where looking somewhat good early. Anderson Silva got knocked out by Uriah Hall and there was crying and there was weeping and there was much mashing of teeth. And now we're all sadder for it. <laughs> so to try to jump back from some of that happiness, well, sadness to some happiness, I am going, I want to go with real Mike and quick talk about that slam TKO submission. We were going to do because Holland was going to be his bet, but then that, that fight switched. I want to hear his opinion on the Bryce Mitchell finish. And then after Mikey, uh, after Real Mike talks, I want to hear the full drafting breakdown from Mikey Gills. So just go ahead, boys, have at it. Yeah, man, uh, the, the slammed uh, the Hall, Kevin Holland. I, I actually bet him by submission, so I was fucking screaming, stoked at, at the possibility that it was going to be possible verbal uh, tap. And, and that's what I, I heard. I heard him pretty much tapping verbally. So that is a submission. I'm, there is no verbal TKO tap, I don't believe. So I, I believe that's what it was. I'm glad it was that because I put two units on that and I won that point. I won nine of them. So thank you, Kevin Holland, for the, the sub. But, but that dude, Charles, Charlie, whatever his name was, that motherfucker came in with some heat and some kicks and he was not playing around. And I, as he came in, I was so glad I picked the submission prop because I was like, oh, yeah, he don't want no part of that. Calling Kevin Holland's going to pick him up, slam him, take him down, especially being a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. His uh, jiu-jitsu game is underrated. And I, I just I, I think that Kevin Hall, especially versus someone, uh, you know, on such short notice was going to be a quick lock. Uh, and that's why he was so highly favored. The only way to possibly make money on Kevin Holland was to bet submission. It was the only way. And I was stoked that that hit uh, Bryce Mitchell. Thanks to Bob, uh, your favorite garbage man here. Always picking uh, just you prime picks. He, uh, you know, won us. A, a, he won that match for us. Uh, I was stoked because, uh, like I said, for the show, we're three in a row now and uh, just want to keep that train going and uh, let Mikey get into it. Uh, yeah, just get right into this DraftKings reca uh, recap. 
<clears throat> so we hit for uh, four of six on this one, 467 and a half points, which we, we set our benchmark at somewhere around 400 is kind of like an, uh, all right, cool. We, we can deal with that. 450 for me is kind of my own personal one. So we hit that. I'm great. We're going to start off with our highest price guy uh, or our, our highest score rather was Bryce Mitchell. Like you guys were talking about $8,500, got 115 points, got super touchy with Andre Feely's confidence in his grappling game, took him down seven times, advanced position all day on him and got the win. Next up, Kevin Holland, $8,200, 108 and a half points. Proved to be free money, easily beaten an overmatch, late replacement. Next up, Jason Witt, $8,300, 96 points. Fight was pretty much how I predicted. His opponent, Cole Williams, brought an extremely fraudulent record into the cage, and the can crushing just didn't pay off. Witt was able to do as he pleased. He took him out in the second round. Speaking of can crushing, Kevin Natividad is another guy whose record I did not trust, and he was knocked into the underverse by Miles Johns in the third round. Johns cashed for 79 points on an $8,400 price tag. And if you're wondering whether I care or not that Johns held on Natividad's glove to land a kill shot. I do not. Didn't care when Tim Kennedy did it. Didn't care when Yoel Romero stole time on the stool. It doesn't matter. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's MMA. Anyway, Bobby Green. Got to get to this one because this one killed me. He lost the fight, but still, he still put up some decent points. 60 and a half and a loss to Tiago Moises. Green just had no answer for the pressure that Moises was putting on him, which is understandable because I didn't see it coming either. How could he possibly be prepared? But Green, he just wasn't himself. He reverted back to that old Bobby Green from a few years ago that would just stand there and get punched just to show you how tough he is. Uh, I thought he was past that, and going forward, I'm going to take that into all my betting considerations. Last up was our only underdog on the night. I thought Maurice Green could have some success dragging this fight out, maybe getting a late stoppage or a decision. Uh, instead, he was beaten in the second round, only cash for eight and a half points. Oh, well, 467 and a half points. I'll still take that. You're still going to make money with that lineup. And uh, as always, still looking to do better every single week. Four or six is all right. I want six to six. Let's go. Hey, still good percentage, bro. Great job. And, uh, you know, and having the balls to pick uh, green is huge. Uh, I, I was one of the ones that just didn't like it specifically when we talked, but it's still, you got to pick these underdogs. Otherwise you ain't going to hit. Well, last oh. week's card in particular, where there was uh, finding an underdog that you like was really tough. So I was trying to display what I thought could be the smartest options. And I think only one underdog on the whole card cash was Moises and no one saw that coming. So. Well, and similar to what we talked about before and previously on this show is the fact that, you, and obviously we've lucked out and you've been as good as you are, obviously to be consistently hitting over 400 as someone who, as I said, uh, oh, so briefly played DraftKings. If you're consistently hitting over 400, you're making money on DraftKings. You're not losing money on DraftKings. If you're consistently hitting over 400, especially over 450. And like we've talked about our average being above that. So yeah. Yeah. And in major league baseball, if you're hitting 400, you're a fucking You're the man. So Mikey, the man gills, follow him on Twitter. You can just call me weekly Ted Williams. I'll take that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> either of you guys, I guess, since we started with uh, Real Mike last time, we'll start with Mikey Gills. Any overall overarching feelings of how the Anderson Silva Uriah Hall fight went? How'd you feel about Anderson Silva? How'd you feel about the ending of it? And I guess, where do you see Anderson Silva going next? So, just like if you could hit like those two, it'd be awesome. I mean, right away. The, for Christ's sakes, the last fight of his career. Don't feed him Uriah Hall. Give him Kevin Natividad. Give him like, <laughs> give him Kevin Crew. I shouldn't say that one, but you know, give him somebody that's not going to kill him. What are you guys doing? But no, I mean, where he goes from here, he'll go box Roy Jones or something. No, I'm mm -hmm. down with that. But you guys, real Mike, what are you thinking, Anderson Silva? Yeah, it was sad, man, uh, to watch uh, Anderson. Uh, you know, w wake up from being knocked out, and uh, the, before that, he was doing decent, but the fight was 
it was kind of lackluster. I, I just don't see why we're doing this to such great veterans of the sport. I think that they could have a much better relationship with upcoming fighters and be paid as coaches or mentors, uh, you know, at the Performance Institute or possibly like roam the country and then and help their top talent get better. I think that the, the giving them a salary and giving them, a, you know, something they could give them an actual career at the end of their career is something that we should do with them as opposed to just throwing them out like some gladiators in a coliseum because uh you know it's it's really not fair the muscle twitch uh fibers uh between uriah hall and, and anderson silva anderson Silva's not in his prime anymore the way that he used to respond he doesn't respond anymore I, i'll never say that uriah hall knocked out the real anderson spider silva um you know he left a while ago but uh you know it is what it is he, he got he has it on his record but don't get this twisted. Dariah Hall is losing shortly here at 185. I'll be betting against them. We'll be on. Absolutely. You're going to probably get a good price on that. And then in terms of Silva, you just think at some point when you get this many UFC fights in that there is a light at the end of the tunnel in some type of retirement, whatever. I mean, who knows? But like, I agree with Mike Gills. I just think in no time at all, he's going to be boxing Roy Jones, regardless of how the fight with Mike Tyson goes. So that's yeah. Anderson Silva's end of his career for the UFC. And it's not all that happy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we should have, a, we, we need a vote off here for whose hats better for uh, the USA contest for in between me, Mike, the real Mike Copenhaver versus Mikey Gills. He's got the O's hat over there. It's very biased. He like, it's very favoring one part of the country, basically favoring one, just one spot. Then you got your boy over here representing America, Dire Straits, MTV. You're, you're I don't know, I think the MTV, MTV style MTV. one, that, that's more uh, favoring millennials right there. Well, yeah. MTV killed music. I mean, I'm not going to support that. Whoa, I, bro. I, Don't I, ever disrespect that. MTV made music, dude. Look, the only thing I'm going to give you make credit for with TV the MTV hat is, like, we got the real world. Thank you. Thank you for giving us Puck. Outside of that, nothing else. Oh, my gosh. That's so <laughs> the, the real world is a great show. I'll give you that, too. <laughs> absolutely well we're going to jump into the upcoming event this weekend's event and again disclaimer on this one oh if i didn't already say it we will have we went one and oh on bets since the kevin holland fight originally fell through so that's plus one unit on bryce mitchell you're welcome for the free money but we're going into ufc vegas 13 that's similar to last card we're back in vegas we're not in our bubble in abu dhabi so fingers crossed all of these fights go through and fingers crossed the ones we bet on go through and fingers crossed we don't have Mikey Gill scrambling on fight day to fix our DraftKings lineup when three or four people fall out because nobody wants that. Um, we're going to jump right into is according to Tapology the order of how things are going to go. You have Max Griffin currently at the minus 145 versus Ramiz Brahima plus 125. Mikey Gills talked to me about Griffin versus Ramiz. All right, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start off with Max Griffin, 15 and 8. Seven knockouts, two submissions, going off for $8,600 on DraftKings. He's lost four out of his last five. He's three and seven overall since entering the UFC. He's lost his last two in a row, most recently in March of this year, to Cowboy Oliveira. He's a bit of a slow starter, but has good crisp boxing. Doesn't really mix up his, his striking too much. Pretty basic approach. But he likes to press, opponents up, uh, press his opponents up against the cage and get it to the ground as well. But he's going to want to avoid that in this fight. His best, his best path to victory is going to be able to keep it standing. Maybe use that clinch game defensively, try to tire his opponent out. Going off against 
Ramiz Brahima, eight and two, eight submissions, seventy-seven hundred dollars on DraftKings. Fortis MMA guy, LFA vet, won two out of his last three, making his UFC debut. He's had some time off. He hasn't fought since March of 2019 in a fight that was over in less than a minute. But I don't tend to worry about layoffs as much when it comes to specialists. They know what their strength and their game plan is. And at worst, you hope they've used that time to develop a new skill. Shout out to Brian Ortega. Um, stylistically, he's an all or nothing grappler. He uses his striking to get in there and he'll drag you to the ground, immediately work for a sub once he gets there. And right off the bat, not wasting any time. First fight of the night, I'm going underdog and I'm taking Brahim on this fight. I think he's too aggressive of a grappler for Max Griffin, who's shown that he can be dominated on the map before. I don't think he can fight off for me once they get to the ground and I expect the finish here. For $7,700, I think this is the best value play on a card for a guy who finishes every single opponent that he beats. Real Mike. Max Griffin, I know that you have a deep deep-seated anger towards this man <laughs> so i'm assuming you like uh mikey gill's pick here but what's your thoughts on this fight yeah i you know max griffin uh the only thing that i think that is, is just a little bit sharper than uh brahimov is is his striking but uh brahimov he's got he's got uh one his path to victory is he takes motherfuckers down he submits them and he ground and pounds people that's what he wants to do all day uh, the only thing that I'm worried about with Brahimov is, like I said, he shoots in for a takedown so fast, very much like uh, Khabib. Don't not saying he's Khabib, but uh, very much uh, he just wants to get in there and, and not mix up as uh, as much. So I, I think that Brahimov will win this fight. I think he's also bigger, longer, and stronger than Max Griffin. Um, I think on a debut, though, it's a, it's definitely not the easiest out. I think that if he needs to watch out for Max Griffin's power because that's the only way that I believe Max Griffin can win this fight. But I'm all for Brahimov to win this fight as an underdog. This one I have issue with mainly because I cannot trust Max Griffin to perform, just period. Um, as a debuting fight for Brahimov, this is a guy who's had a lot of experience. And typically I try to stay away from UFC debutants and give them a couple fights in the UFC just to see how they shake out against that level of competition. But I like this idea as a dog, especially because I have so many misgivings about Max Griffin on the whole. Um, if he could actually pull the trigger, because he seems to not pull the trigger when that's his only way of winning. And um, in the past, have been impressed with him. But honestly, I, I, he's been left wanting in uh, most of the fights I've seen for him. So if you feel a certain type of way about both these guys on the dog, this would be one of those spots that I would favor that way if I didn't try to stay away from guys making their debut. So uh, moving on, Darren, Darren, the I keep getting damaged Elkins is minus <laughs> 230 versus Wardo Grigori at plus 190. You have Darren Elkins here who was nicknamed the damage because he could take all the damage. He can keep coming and come back in the third. Well, that's finally all added up to the point that he's being held together by duct tape, a little bit of a tinsel. Because um, you get that huge discount when it's off season, when it's not during Christmas time, and like you barely keeping them together, fighting uh, a newcomer. So, uh, real Mike, how are you feeling about the damage versus Grigori? Uh, I like Grigori a lot here. I think that Grigori is is uh, just a much more skilled fighter. I think that he's got a uh, just much more to offer in the long run. I, I'm daring that damage Elkins. You know, don't get me wrong, he's a decent fighter. He's not that not that bad but i mean just i just i wouldn't i just never ever seen him you know being anything really in the ufc so but uh gregory uh i think that he can uh, has really good cardio i think he could take down uh elkins and just damage him on the ground so i think that gregory wins by tko ko mikey uh, 
Uh, yeah, let's start off with uh, Darren Elkins, 24 and 9, six knockouts, six subs, going off for $8,700 on DraftKings. Lost his last four straight. In fact, he hasn't won a fight since January of 2018. But before that losing streak, he was on a big six-fight win streak all in the UFC. Even with that being said, he is first team all scrappy, and he is one of those guys that will leave it in the cage every time. Super well-rounded, comfortable everywhere, has heart for days. And in this particular matchup, I feel like he's got the advantage on the ground. Uh, Eduardo Gregori, 13-1, four knockouts, six subs, going off for $7,500 on DraftKings. Lost his last fight to Ricardo Ramos back in November of 2019, but was perfect throughout his career up until that point. A usual concern of mine, I talk about it all the time. Guys who have questionable strength of schedules. You know, you guys know I always go through people's fights record, fight records. When it comes to Gregori, over a seven-fight span across three years leading to his UFC debut, he beats three separate guys that are 0-0. And then another one who is 6-15, and he then wins his UFC debut against uh, Bednay, who has proven not to be UFC caliber, and then is submitted in the first round once he goes up against Ricardo Ramos. I mean, Darren Elkins isn't Ricardo Ramos, but he's a lot closer to Ramos than he is a 6-15 six, six and 15 or an 0-0. And I think he's going to have a healthy advantage in this fight in all areas, and I think he beats Gregori up. And he shows them basically what, you know, what I say all the time is that padded records are for geeks and he's going to lose. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bob, come here, Chairman. Uh, we got a question. Uh, loving father of three is asking our thoughts on Izzy versus Jan uh, Blockowitz. And we know my boy, Bob, will chime in on this right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I love me some uh, Jan Blockowitz. And obviously, Adesanya has been knocked out before. The size could be a thing. But since if... If Jan Blockowitz's base was wrestling, and he's definitely developed quite uh, a wrestling game, but if his base was wrestling, I'd be more inclined to pick him. But I don't know. I do see uh, Adesanya winning that type of a fight. But, but the big Polish man is going to last a decision in that one. He's not getting put out. So you'll get <laughs> Izzy by decision, and you won't have to worry about uh, him getting clipped in the first couple rounds because Polish chin is strong. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I agree with Bob. As much as I love uh, Jan Blockowitz, and I think he's a, he's a great champion, and uh, he definitely a deadly dude. I, I think that the striking of Israel Adesanya is just is just world world class. I said it before he won his last fight that he, he's the best striker there is in the UFC period. But uh, still, it's a great question. Uh, Loving Father Three. I'll let Mikey Gills get in his opinion. Oh, nothing major. Uh, Blakovich cost me a bunch of money on DraftKings about a month ago. I've been waiting to bet against him ever since. Let's go. Polish power, Izzy baby. Polish power. Now, Izzy and his right titty. We're going we're gonna to win the second strip. He's going to get the match in the left one, and then he's like, yeah. there we go. Yeah. He's going to be like, champ, champ. And then he's champ. He'll get the second one when he gets that second title. They go together. It's like it's linked by it. It's like it's linked. Like, give, me, give me a good price. No, it's like, it's like marketing. You know, you just, you don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. sorry bob oh no worries totally fine uh obviously i kind of played my cards out a little bit with the intro with the elkins versus uh, gregory one elkins is starting to fall off fast fall off the cliff um could he possibly pull this one off yes but he's never been a particularly fast uh featherweight and he's even slower now he's lumbering he doesn't know how to move his head he likes to take shots it's like he has some wrestling there but like he doesn't have like a blast like he he doesn't have a good first step he doesn't have a good blast double or anything like that he's like he will get you down just from sheer attrition but like i don't even think he has the capability anymore so i don't know plus 190 is 
kind of juicy there and i might want to lean towards that that that's not an official pick but it just turns into like a, a pick in this fight i'd probably go with gory because I, I do think elkins is about to go off a cliff in a major way um now we're going to talk about the future let's go ufc heavyweight champion of the world mr king kong and again not trying to like overplay because obviously i'm unbiased this is like Obviously. Well, this was the fight we were originally going to get. We were going to get Marcos Rogerio de Lima plus 275 versus Alexander Romanov minus 335. If, if I recall, that was a pick em, where we were going to get Romanov. Negative 105. Yeah, Negative 105. We were going to unload on this bet. Max now, bet. Obviously, the it was going to be. It was going to be. Now we got minus 335, which isn't really super doable. Uh, I will give an option for a bet on this that I'm going for, especially if the numbers hit where I think they're going to hit. But... Mikey Gills, Delima uh, versus your favorite Russian human being. I, I get excited every time I hear his name. Since the first time I watched this guy's like uh, his highlight reel, I was like, "Oh, that's my new favorite fighter right there." And then he comes out in his last fight and he does exactly what his high rate, highlight reel looks like. Just there's nothing better that you can ask for. God, he's twelve and zero. Uh, Alexander Romanov, twelve and zero, four knockouts, eight submissions, going for nine thousand dollars. Uh, we don't really need to say a whole lot about it because I think this fight's pretty simple for most people. He's a, a more than aggressive grappler. We're talking about a guy, when he gets you on the ground, it's like your seven-year-old nephew is just controlling like somebody in UFC, just button mashing, doesn't know what he's doing, but it's effective, it works. He's like fighting no one on the other controller. Uh, he's going to be have no problem at all fighting against Alima, who's uh, looked it up. He's been submitted four times inside the UFC already, so, and this for a guy who's supposedly supposed to be pretty good on the ground. I don't know. Not tonight. Uh, Alexander Romanov, $9,000. If you missed your chance to bet on him for 8600 last time, I apologize to you because that's, that's as good as it's ever going to get going forward. He scored 147 points on DraftKings last time out. He might match it this time, might do even better because he is severely outmatching DeLima in basically every category. Even on the feet, he is real slick, throws heavy body kicks, uh, good, good technique when he's standing. Romanov all day. What do you guys got? Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I, Romanov's going to pick up Marcos de, de Lima and just absolutely slam him on his head and monkey fist him to death or submit him. Most likely submit him because uh, de Lima loves to submit. He loves to submit so badly that he loves to go to sleep at night in his pillow when it's nice and cold. And, you you know, you go and lay down when no one's been in there. That's what de Lima likes to do once he faces submission artists. So uh, Romanov uh, is going to come in there and absolutely manhandle Donkey Kong and man just monkey punch de Lima to death. And then, but I, but like I said, I think he's really going to submit him. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I really wish that we got the negative 105 that we were getting last time because we were going to max bet that. And it was going to be easy breezy money because uh, de Lima can't stuff a takedown uh, at all. So go for Romanov. That price would have been like you don't realize it till now, looking back on it, that you're just like, we 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 were very confident in the minus one hundred and five, and if he would have had him there, like we I, like you said, like we were never really going to get anything like that again. But uh, to echo some of the guys' statements, um, Delima like like to get take down by light heavyweights, and now he's going against a heavyweight that that is his bread and butter of getting you down. Uh, in terms of the finish, a finish is going to happen. Uh, in terms of a TKO, it's more uh, TKOs of attrition, uh, especially at this higher level with Romanov. He is the skill, and he'll put the the, the hands on you, but it's not necessarily going to be like right on the button and putting you out. It's just going to be attrition, and if you're just like basically willing to give up. Well, one thing that Delima loves to do is to give up his neck. 
and when he's put in those compromising positions, especially if you butter him with some shots against the fence or once you get to the ground, well, that's all Romanov does. So mm-hmm. there is, in my opinion, if this, I don't think it's getting to the second round, it may, but it's going to be an exhausted dilemma with a gigantic Russian King Kong on him, punching for open up spots for submissions. And then he is going to go in there and he's going to sub him. Now, my big issue with um, going with props normally is well first of all right now the problem I'm looking at is Romanov by submission okay it's only on one book that I can see right now it's plus 175 by submission minus 230 inside the distance but I really think it's going to go on the submission there currently I see it at the, at the plus 175 there and I don't typically like to give you guys all of these what ifs um, basically this is going to be a bet if it's plus money so I will tweet out exactly when we get the odds on there. And I'm sorry, I'm just trying to figure out when I can send that. I'll send it as soon as I can for the odds. But um, one of the books is a plus 2075. So if it's plus money, it's a bet. If not, then we're only going to have one bet on this card and we'll get to it later. Uh, quickly, have a, another question in the chat. Thank you, loving father of three for going in there. I know you're asking more questions about uh, Izzy here, but in the situation where Izzy wins versus Jan, do we think that Jones would come back down to take the light heavyweight belt from him or Izzy comes up to fight Jones at heavyweight? Uh, personally, in that one, I do think Jones would probably come down, especially since they've said that the Francis for Stipe fight is going to happen and it's not going to be happening until this coming March. So who knows when John will actually end up in there for a fight. So um, I could see him dropping back down because it's early in his quote-unquote jump to heavyweight so if this fight actually happens and i think they were talking uh, january for izzy versus jan so if that happens and izzy wins he has time to do both where he can go back down get his belt back and then jump back up and ultimately make a bigger fight at heavyweight that's my opinion mikey gills what are your thoughts on would jones come back down or would izzy go up to heavyweight then if he has the light heavyweight belt i'm just going to go ahead and uh, quote izzy on this one he said that um if John Jones were, were to win the heavyweight title, that's when he would go up to heavyweight to face him. I think that's his only plan to do it is to become the first ever three-weight champ. So I don't think he, I don't think he would go up there if, John, if Jones weren't the champ. So I think it would most likely be Jones coming back down. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. I think it'll be a, a 185 or the the 205, right? Are you talking about coming down to 185 or 205 after when? Well, uh, well, he's talking about if Izzy goes up to 205, beats mm-hmm. Jan, because that's the plan. Yeah, would then Jones, Jones would fight at 205. 205, or would Izzy jump up to heavyweight? Uh, Izzy would stay at boxing. They'd fight if Izzy won at 205, then Jones would fight Izzy at 205, because then that wouldn't even hurt Izzy's reputation for 185. No, that's, that's a solid point. So thanks again for the question. We will do as many of those answering as we can. So by all means, feel free to quick sending in questions. We will answer them as we are capable of doing so. And yes, we waxed as poetic as we possibly could on Romanov. We're big on him, and I'll let you know on the specific odds there. But if it's anywhere near that, if it's plus 175, for sure a bet. And if it's anywhere in plus money, it's going to be a bet. So I'll keep you guys posted. So that's a a tentative bet only because it's not widely released yet. Next up, we have Trevin Giles. He's minus 110 versus Bevan Lewis at the minus 110. Real Mike Giles versus Lewis. Man, um, this this fight's super close. Uh, obviously, the odds indicate that as well. Uh, I, I 
I really believe that Bevon Lewis is just is longer and has just a little bit more athletic ability in, in the striking. But uh, th- on this fight, that's I just only I just I wouldn't trust this for a pick or a bet even. But I think Bevon Lewis wins this fight. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, starting off with Trevin Giles here is uh, twelve and two, five knockouts, five subs, going for eight thousand on DraftKings. He is a man that I will never forgive for the rest of my life, even if I do end up betting on him again. He fainted before a fight against Kevin Holland. Uh, it wasn't too long ago, but it cost me an entire week on DraftKings because there was nothing I could do about it. It was like five minutes before he was supposed to walk out. Just all of a sudden, I have a, a heavy favorite that should have gotten me 100 points cash for absolutely nothing. Thank you. Thank you, Giles. Uh-huh. You're, you're the man. Anyway. Three and two since entering the UFC. He's lost two, had lost two straight before being pushed to the limit by James Krause, who took the fight on about as much notice as it took me to say that sentence that he took the fight. But he went up a weight class. He made it, you know, a good fight against him. So there's two ways to interpret that on Giles' part. One, he did beat a skilled, ranked fighter who just happened to be a lower weight class. Or two, he struggled heavily against a smaller guy on absolutely no preparation. I personally choose to think he struggled, and that's bad for him. Anyway, going up against Bevin Lewis, 7-2, three knockouts, four decisions, $8,200 on DraftKings, 1-2 since entering the UFC after winning twice on Dana White's Contender Series. There was some hype on Lewis before his UFC debut. The guys at Jackson Wink were really high on him, so much so that the UFC did not do him any favors. He had to take on Uriah Hall and Darren Stewart, and not only his first two UFC fights, but just his seventh and eighth career fights overall. That's a tough ass, and I don't really hold it against him for losing. He came back and beat Daquan Townsend in January, and they're giving him another tough test here. The one knock I have on Lewis is his cardio issues. If you look at several of his past fights, he has slowed down considerably in the last round, specifically against Uriah Hall and Daquan Townsend, and that's something that he's going to need to work on if he ever plans to make it you know, higher in this division. For me, this fight's going to go Lewis's way. He already has those early, bigger-named opponents out of his way, and he's bounced back with a, with a win to prove that he belongs. Now I think he's going to start to establish why he's here. He has that big height and reach advantage coming into this fight and the better striking. I think he puts his hands on Giles and draws him into a firefight. And for $8,200, I love him in this fight. He's going to go in our DraftKings uh, lineup this week. Really solid mid-tier play. So let's go. Let's go. Uh, in terms of me, I actually don't have a lean uh, either way on this one. So I would just echo either of these guys' sentiments. Like this, I don't have a... I mean, obviously, it's a pick So I, I'm kind of in line with that. It's like it's if if anyone has a hot take on it or a heavy lean one way go that way because this one i'm like i mean just pick probably pick probably lewis just i, I think he has a bigger upside but and he won't faint on you apparently there we go. So. And, and let me let me dovetail off that for one second because this is the fight that's at the turn of the salaries like these are the mm-hmm. two that are closest together if you wanted to just put a card together and just to hedge your bets a little bit i mean you could throw the giles pick on there and keep all your other picks just as like a safety net make less of them if you don't feel like he's gonna win but just something that could help balance out your scores if it doesn't go uh you know his way or if it doesn't go uh lewis's way it could just help you save a little cash but just an idea absolutely that's a solid point uh next up we have chiga chikadze minus 485 if you'll notice a lot of these fights that we're going to start going over including previously going over we have some pretty ridiculous favorites and huge dogs so i guess if you got some leans on some dogs you can make some money uh chikadze the minus uh 45 versus jamae Simmons, Simons, uh, plus 385. See, now that Mikey Gill's ended with it, now I'm a little turned around. Mikey Gill's, I'm pretty sure it's your turn to go first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jacques versus uh, Simmons. Yeah, just starting off, this, this booking is mean. 
That's <laughs> kind of what I was thinking, but oh god, Jenga Chikadze, eleven and two, six knockouts, one sub, ninety three hundred dollars on DraftKings. Coming off a great performance just a couple of weeks ago against Omar Morales, improved his UFC record to four and zero. And if this is the version of Chikadze that we're going to see going forward, I personally am going to start reevaluating my opinion of him. Like I've always had that opinion that he's you know a good striker, but just doesn't show his potential. But if he keeps doing what he did to Morales. Here we go. I mean, he brings in a skill set, which is dangerous for any opponent, any opponent. He's a high level striker, a ton of pro kickboxing experience, and he can bait lesser strikers into putting themselves in the bad positions and that leave them open for counters. Uh, he's also going to have a seven inch height advantage in this fight, probably the sizable recent reach advantage. As well, I couldn't find an actual listing for Simmons uh, reach. But uh, again, let's get right to Jamie Simmons. I believe he's called the Afro Samurai, if I remember correctly. Oh, yes. Six and Yeah. Six and two, three knockouts, one sub, going off for $6,900, making his, his UFC debut. Won two, two of his last three, last fighting in December. Uh, he's another guy with questionable opponents. Not that I really think it matters, but his first five opponents were nine and 17. Uh, or his last five opponents, rather. And uh, stylistically, just a wrestle boxer. He has an amateur wrestling background, uh, collegiate. He was a really good high school wrestler. When you watch him fight, though, he's kind of like just more of a brawler. Like, he'll use his wrestling when he needs to, but he's going to get in there and just try to throw leather at you. And this fight, it reads to me exactly what I said earlier. It's a fight that was added to a card probably because they had lost a bunch of other fights. You know, like, this fight is just, hey, Jigga Chikazi, you're in shape, you're on weight, come kill this guy for us. Have fun, enjoy your paycheck. lost a bunch of fights for this one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's how I see it. I think Jigga Chikazi at $9,300. I think I think there's other guys at the higher end that can score you some points, but I think Jigga Chikazi is going to finish this guy, and it's going to be pretty brutal when it happens. Yeah, uh, this fight matchup reminds me a lot of uh, my brother's uh, beginning of his pro career when we would go down to Tijuana, Mexico, and they would just feed uh, guys to just absolute savages like my brother. Uh, Edward Radcliffe, nine millimeter, uh, Wade ship, uh, you know, big, huge heavyweight. Uh, that's where I met Jason Herzog, Herb Dean, um, everyone. Well, th- these are the type of fights that, that remind me of where you just, Hey, we got a savage and we got a nobody. We need a filler fight. We need someone to die. We need, like I said, this is the Coliseum. We need gladiators. We, t- we need people to fill. And so, uh, uh, Giga, the Casey, he, uh, I think that he's going to win this fight just quite easily. I think he's, if he comes the way he did last time, he's just going to absolutely devastate the, this young kid. And it's just, it's like I said, really not fair. But uh, this is fighting. This ain't fair. Uh, my yep. pick is the guy that sounds like you're beatboxing when you say his name. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that's, that's all I need to say. I'm sorry. He's like, I think he's the uh, superior striker. I think at absolute worst, he's going to be able to uh, dance around. Um, staying away from any shots and just piling up volume on Simmons at absolute worst. So it's walking away. It makes perfect. He he's actually deserves to be these odds. Like this is not an underdog. I would even remotely take a shot. I don't see Simmons having a chance. And terrible nickname, by the way. Next up, <laughs> plus 115, uh, the multiple time title challenger against uh, Zainan Yan at minus 135. Change things up. I'll even give my breakdown in this one first just to keep you guys guessing. So my breakdown of this one is, is this simple. Uh, Gadea back in the day would just absolutely smother this girl and it would be a clear 30-27 or 30-26 type fight. She has fallen off quite a bit. Similar to Elkins, but not quite as bad. Obviously, her chin isn't quite there, but she still has a majority of the skill. The issue here is this is going to be a close fight. Gadea has reverted to the stereotypical 115-pound 
top 15 female fighter where all of the fights are super close. They're split decisions or 29, 28s, unanimous, but maybe not. It's like it, she's, she's falling into that category where she's just doing the same 10 things over and over again, and she doesn't have the gas for three rounds anymore. So she's a, she's a dog here. I'd like to pick her. But you know what? I can't because this is going to be a crazy close fight. I mean, I'll pick her in terms of a pick, but this was originally going to be a bet. I just realized it's just going to be so close of a fight. It's going to be a nail biter. And honestly, I don't need that kind of drama in my life. It's just <laughs> not a thing that I need. So I'm going to go ahead and move on from there. Uh, Real Mike, Gadea, Jan. Yeah, um, this is a fight where if I just knew Claudia Gadelia was going to stop fucking around and trying to see if her hair is pretty or if she's got a six-pack or if she fucking Instagram pictures dude, look dude, good. Dude, she doesn't need to see if she has six-pack. It's just there. Yeah. She, she has she a needs, sweet sweat. That's what I'm saying. Product Get the placement. fuck off Instagram. You don't need to show it then. If she wanted to absolutely wrestle this bitch to the ground and man, woman handle her, she could do that and she should win this fight. Well, I almost... Nine times out of ten, someone with better wrestling versus the other, well, I would say, I was going to say American versus an Asian wrestler, but Claudia Gadelli is an American. But she's Brazilian, and she's been over here fighting in America, and she's been learning a lot of American wrestling throughout her whole career. So she, to me, has American wrestling. She's been here, and she's been well-versed. I don't see this fight not hitting the ground. It has to hit the ground at some fucking point. And... If Jan, I don't know how good her jiu-jitsu is. I don't know how slick uh, Claudia is going to be. But if the veteran Claudia Gadelia gets her down and has the game plan to absolutely wrestle this entire match, then Claudia Gadelia has a path to victory to wrestle and possibly get a submission from the less experienced wrestler in Jan. But uh, if this fight does not get to the ground, Jan's fucking her up bad. All right, so just uh, quick to answer your question about Jan's jiu-jitsu. I'm not sure either. I can tell you that of her 12 career wins, none of them are by submission. Um, this fight, to me, we haven't really talked too much about Jan striking, which is going to be, you know, obviously, this fight, I don't think Adelia is going to want to hang out on the feet and, and throw hands with this girl. Jan's pretty nasty when you watch her fight tape. Throws real high volume, and not just volume, but, like, power volume. It's like if, like, if Nate Diaz just, or you know, either one of the Diaz brothers really just started loading up their gloves like some plaster cast or whatever, like she just throws heavy and just keeps doing it. It's crazy. And uh, talking to, uh, to Bob's point about Claudia Gadelia's cardio, that's a real issue. So when I talk about this pick, for me, it's you have to take into consideration the smaller cage, like we always talk about. If Gadelia can just get her to the cage and get her down and just eke out two rounds, I don't care if she's gonna gas out in the third i just need those two rounds just enough that she doesn't get massacred in the third and i don't think she will i think she's good enough to not get killed so for me for seventy nine hundred dollars on DraftKings, i like gadelia i don't think she's going to be a huge heavy scorer but when you're talking about your dogs you really just kind of want the winner like yeah you'll mm -hmm. take you'll take a finish if you can get it uh, either way but gadelia is going to score you anywhere between 60 and 90 points with a decision win and I think she's going to win this fight. I think she. I think she's competent enough to not get brained. I think she's a good enough wrestler to take her down. Even you watch Cadelia fight. I mean, she'll let girls up, but then she'll she can get them back down again if she needs to. And I think that's going to happen here. So I'm taking Cadelia. I'm putting it in our DraftKings lineup. Seventy nine hundred dollars. I don't think I'm out of my mind for saying that. So let's go. Did you go already, Bob? Yeah, I kind of just. Yeah. Uh, so you know, to add on to it, uh, after thinking about DraftKings. 
Jan is not going to score a lot of points if she can't get space. I, I yes. guarantee that. She will not fucking score any points if she cannot gain space. And if Claudia comes in there with a the game plan with a smaller cage, Jan will not have the space that's needed to let off strikes. Easily, I can see Claudia Cadelia take two rounds of just the ugliest humping, whatever it may be against the cage. It could be pathetic. It could be disgusting. But it could easily... For DraftKings, I see no upside for putting Jan in your in your lineup. Right. Next up, we have a middleweight fight for Ian Heinish minus one ten versus Brandon Allen minus one ten. This is a pick'em here. Mike Gills Heinish versus Allen. All right, now let's start off with uh, Brendan Allen. Fifteen and three, five knockouts, eight submissions, eighty four hundred dollars on DraftKings. Only 24 years old, an improving fighter. He had three early career losses. They're all in the regional scene, but were all to guys that would eventually go on to fight in the UFC, like aforementioned Trevin Giles, Eric Anders, Anthony Hernandez. Since then, he's won seven straight, including three in the UFC against Kevin Holland, Tom Breeze, and Kyle Dawkins. This guy impresses me. A very aggressive grappler, beats you up on the feet in top position, or beats you up from top position when he gets you down, hunts for subs. He's the type of guy that you want in your drafting's lineup. He's a finisher who's going to be busy and go after you. Ian Hines on the other side, 14 and three, five knockouts, two subs, going for $7,800. Uh, could be a good pick. We'll get into that. But three and two uh, since uh, winning on Dana White's contender series. Dropped two straight against Derek Brunson and Amari Akhmedov before getting back on track against Gerald Mearshart back in June of this year. This fight kind of stylistically is like an iron versus iron fight in my mind. It's just a matter of who can implement their game plan the best. For me, that's going to be Brendan Allen. I think he just pushes the pace that Harsh, that Highness isn't prepared to match or you know isn't prepared to deal with. And after that first round, I think you're going to start seeing Allen get those takedowns and start to work them over. And then you will just start to see that Highness spirit break. At least that, that's how I see this fight going. I think as it goes on, Brendan Allen just starts to run away with it. And he could get a late finish in this fight. I like him. Yeah, baby, this is my pick for the uh, for this week. Uh, I, I like Brendan Allen a lot. He's a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown or a black belt now. Even uh, his ground game is absolutely deadly. Uh, Ian Heinich is a lot smaller. I believe Ian Heinich's stats. He's a five nine five ten. Brendan Allen is over six one, I believe. And when Anthony Smith was uh, interviewing him after Brendan Allen's uh, post fight interview. He could not believe the size of Brendan Allen when he was standing next to a 205er in Anthony Smith. So I'm telling you, this Brendan Allen kid is not just good. He's fucking big, dude. He is Bob big. He is a big, <laughs> big boy. He's been fighting for a long time, uh, you know, and he's been training a long time. His jiu-jitsu game is absolutely sick, and he hunts, like Mikey Gill said, for a finish always, whether it's for ground and pound or it's for the sub. Uh, Ian Heinich, a uh, great fight. I've, I bet on him uh, multiple times. I like him too because he reminded me a lot of my brother, War Machine. Uh, you know, uh, really a brute strength, more or less just natural ability, um, but definitely not going to be the, the upper echelon of the sport because his striking just isn't there and he's just not big enough for the for the divisions that he's he's in. I think that uh, Brendan Allen, uh, like I've said many times, when you're in, if you roll jiu-jitsu and you have a guy that's longer than you, and he outranks you in jiu-jitsu, you're going to be in a real bad day. And I mean a real bad fucking day. And I'm not talking about one inches or two inches. He's got over three inches of length and, and reach on his legs, and if not more. 
Uh, once he takes uh, Ina Heinrich's back, I just I see a real bad day. Uh, I'm going to be putting down. Uh, Bob, did you approve the two times two? Yeah, that's so it. I'm going to be putting. Ten. I'm going to be putting uh, one, uh, two point two units to win two units on Brendan Allen to just absolutely show you some well-rounded mixed martial arts from a 24-year-old lad who's just absolutely amazing, man. I'm telling you, go back and find his post-fight interview when you, Anthony uh, Lionheart Smith was interviewing him. He is a big, big boy. Ian Heinich is just not big enough for this division, so I believe this is a great spot to bet. Uh, in terms of my side on here, just little points of order, just to have you guys have the exact things. Mike was super close. Um, Ian Heinish is 5'11 with a 72-inch reach. Brandon Allen is 6'2 with a 77-inch reach. But no, he's not Bob Big. I'm two inches taller. He is one inch. <laughs> one inch yeah, I was close. And so, Ian, sorry, Ian, and for the 5'9, bro. The 5'11 is a big jump. I know how that feels. I'm 5'10, so I'm, I fucking disrespected you putting you in short man's land. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if he texts his friends like video or pictures of him working out at 2.30. That's, that's a total pop. <laughs> It's true. Bob's a, a savage. Are you working out now? You not working out now? No, I'm. I'm with uh, both these guys in a in a major way. I really like Alan here. I was actually very surprised um, when uh, Real Mike sent me this as uh, possibly one of his picks. He texted it to me, and uh, the odds that he uh, just texted to me, and then the odds, and I was like, "That's the odds, really?" I hadn't checked the odds yet. I figured he'd be at least minus one fifty here. Uh, I've heard some people say this is a super close fight, and they're not sure how anyone could pick between the two. I'm like, to me, it's fairly glaring that it's on the Allen side. I think we're very fortunate to get the minus ones, and I think it's just because he is so young, and they're just not seeing the future that this kid has. Go ahead, Ron Mike. Also, to add on uh, Brendan Allen, he you know he fought, he trains at Rufus Sport and uh, you know has a lot of Showtime Pettis and everyone uh, GM, but GM lost, so he didn't have him to train with. He traveled down south to Florida and went to, to Henry Hooft. He's training with Gilbert Burns, uh, training with a lot of uh, world class athletes down there. So he's he's at a whole new camp, whole, got a whole new thing going. And I, I just really Brendan Allen has just got everything in his favor. I, I believe the odds are a gift. Sorry, writing stuff down again, again. You'll learn why eventually. Um, oh, oh and, uh, and 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 I look back. He is for sure a black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He just got awarded that like later earlier this year. Awesome. Um, this next up, this is why I can only assume that maybe this isn't the official bout order, even on Tapology with all the fights that have fallen out. Because I'm sorry, I, I don't understand how after Claudia Gadea and then now Brandon Elver Ian Heinish, we now have Royani Barcelos versus Khalid Taha, but here we are at the <laughs> plus 190. Yeah, that one's getting rough. Either way. Okay, so Rayoni Barcelos, Barcelos minus 350 versus Khalid Taha plus 290. Real Mike, those are some names. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, on this one specifically, I, I don't have a, a great outlook on it in the sense of a bet or anything. But uh, if I had to pick one, uh, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie Barcelos's clear path to victory is that he has a great ground game. Uh, that's pretty much his 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 thing. So if he can get to the to the ground, that's why he's such a highly favored uh, contestant. But I, I, his striking is not good. He can be clipped and he can be knocked out. So it's it's not like a it's not it's definitely someone I would never ever ever be betting on so I, I i'll pick barcelos to win by submission but i like i said if he gets knocked out you remember here Mike gills 
I uh, started off with uh, Rianne Barcelos, uh, 15 and one, eight knockouts, two submissions, going off for $9,100 on DraftKings. Only one career loss way back in 2014. Since then, he has won eight straight, including four in the UFC, most recently taken the decision win over Saeed Namagamadoff. Really good submission grappling, like you were talking about. Some, uh, takedowns and Brazilian jiu-jitsu is where he's going to win this fight. Even if he doesn't get the sub, he's going to use the, his position to win rounds and do some damage. He can still score some points for you. Going up against Khalid Taha. 14-2, and two, eight knockouts, four subs, going off for $7,100 on DraftKings. He's won two straight after dropping his UFC debut back in 2018. Both wins by stoppage. He does have two recent losses. One was by submission and the other to another decent grappler, Nad Namaremi. Uh, uh, Naramani. God, I butchered that name something awful. Anyway, uh, for, for Taha to win, he's going to need to keep this fight standing for sure, like you were talking about. I'm just not convinced he can do it. Uh, I don't think Barcelo should have any trouble here. I think he's the real deal, and we're going to see that in time. I think he gets the finish. As far as the top end guys go, at $9,100, I like him just a little bit more than Jiga Chikadze in that scenario, even though Jiga is going against the guy that could have looks like he has no chance at all. Jiga's just not a natural finisher, whereas, you know, I don't know, Barcelos, man, just he's the guy's a murderer out there. So I think you could actually save 200 bucks is what I'm trying to get at. Put Barcelos in your lineup ahead of Giga if you're just trying to save 200. If not, go ahead, put Giga in there. It's more fun with the striker. Um, this fight, I don't got too much more to add other than the fact that I do think Barcelos should win. I don't think uh, he should have too much trouble. I do think these odds are a little inflated off of Barcelos's win over one of the Nurmagomedovs. I don't think he should be minus 350. Grand now I say this, he's going to get a finish in the first round. But at least in terms of as this moment right now, uh, I don't think it should be this wide. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I think Taha's going to win. I just think minus 350 is uh, quite a bit steep for someone with his level of experience within the UFC. So pick Barcelos because, I mean, how do you not? But I, th- I think he's a bit overpriced here. Uh, moving on to the co-main event, we have Andre Orlovs- Arlovsky plus 235 versus the Canadian ex-hockey, toothless, beer-drinking version of himself. Tanner Bozer at the minus 275. It's honestly, they, they, they almost kind of look alike. It's kind of throwing me as I'm looking at it. now that Bozer's gotten all trim and is like fighting a bunch in, uh, in, uh, like during the pandemic versus like his last few fights before that, where he was more space, getting a little softer around the middle. It's like now he's like popping open beer cans with his teeth <laughs> and just, just living life, man. Just living life <laughs> for, uh, the one time UFC champion versus, like I say, the future UFC champion, but like the Canadian great white hope. I don't know. I got, I don't got much more than that. Um, Mikey Gills, where are you for Orlovsky versus Bozer? All right. So I'll start off with Andre Orlovsky, 29, 19, 17 knockouts, three subs going off for $7,300 on DraftKings. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that yesterday I hosted somewhat of a watch party with uh, I was watching of mice and men. And there's a scene in there where the character candy has to put his dog down. And that's kind of what we need here. Somebody just take the pit bull out back and shoot it already. Jesus Christ. I can't stand. Years ago. He just keeps coming back. I can't stand to see this guy get knocked out anymore. When I first started watching the sport, this was the dude, man. He was the scariest human being you could ever imagine. A gigantic man, quick as a cat, power in his hands like nothing you'd ever seen. Nowadays in 2020, are you kidding me? God, they're going to give him the COVID test and break his nose twice this week. I can't deal with this anymore, man. 
Oh, going up against Tanner Bozer, 19 and 6 and 1, two, uh, 10 knockouts, two subs, going up for 8,900. You guys are saying that he kind of resembles more of like an Andre Arlovsky now as they meet in the middle. I would say he looks more like Roy Nelson on the subway diet, if I had to say anything myself. Ooh, yeah, anyway. Uh, he's going off for $8,900 on DraftKings. Uh, he's won three of his last four since entering the UFC, including his last two in a row over Philippe Linz and Rafael Pessoa, both by knockout. He did lose to Cyril Gane, which is very excusable. That guy's awesome. He's a mm. smaller heavyweight, faster than you'd expect. Just by looking at him, he does not look that athletic. But, man, he can get in there. He slides in and out, throws really good leg kicks in his uh, t- and that set up his punches, kind of like almost like a Justin Gaethje level type thing. He's not, not the same kind of fighter, but – as far as his leg kicks, the punch combinations go, it's kind of similar in that regard. At this point, it, it's almost impossible to bet on Andre Arlovsky in 2020, and I just won't be doing it here. Bozer slick enough to avoid uh, Arlovsky's boxing, and I just don't think Arlovsky has the chin anymore to deal with being cracked over a three-round fight against somebody like Bozer. And so, again, going up uh, Bozer, $8,900. I fully expect to finish. If you want to go on DraftKings for that, Heavyweights finish more often than any other weight class, so by all means, heavyweight Tanner Bozer, eighty nine hundred dollars. Let's go. Yeah, um, the next two fights are just sad, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> Andre Olavsky, you know, great former champion, great dude, brought us a lot of fights. Uh, known for what he had decent boxing back in the day, but uh, Tanner Bozer's footwork and his agility and is just muscle fibers and fast twitch uh, everything is just so much faster than rj olavsky's he's going to be in for a bad day i i just see bozer winning this by tkoko quite easily um with you on that one um i've been very impressed with tanner bozer and i kind of wrote him off first uh cyril gone gane but he's proven that he belongs at heavyweight and just doesn't belong at heavyweight. Like I think he's very clearly a top 15, top 10 heavyweight. And what does any top 15 to top 10 heavyweight do beat Andre Arlovsky? So here's his chance to beat Andre Arlovsky. He's the entry point into top 10, top 15. I would need to recheck the rankings to give you whether it's top 10 or top 15, but off the top of my head, I'm going to say top 10. Sure. Why not? Um, I do think he's going to get the finish. He has just enough uh, speed in those punches to connect on Andrei Olovsky, and although Andrei Olovsky has been able to show an improved chin, it's not an improved chin. He's just learned to be more defensive, and he backs up a lot more. He doesn't just go straight into things anymore, but uh, given some of the combinations that I know Bozer can throw in, like what Mike Gills was talking about, I do think he could throw in like uh, a leg kick to have Andrei Olovsky either check it or lean in and then get a, a, a hook or a jab just thrown directly at down the pipe and putting him on his back, and then Bozer just going completely Donkey Kong on his head for until they call it. And I hope that that's it after that. And again, this is another one of those ones where it's like, I really like Tanner Bowser here. Oh, wait, he's almost a minus 300 favorite. So we're not going to give those out to you guys. So unless you have a very particular person that you want to parlay him with, that's on your own personal thing. We very rarely, if ever give out parlays in the top of my head, I actually don't think we ever have maybe one in like the entire history of the show, just because you feel like an absolute, loser if you win the first one easy and then lose a greasy decision in the second one so um, we're gonna move on to the main event of the evening this is an odd fight and well because it was like the third it's the third time it's been made and it still hasn't happened yet but tiago santos is minus 240 versus glover Teixeira plus 200 real mike the close to being light heavyweight champion not really versus the never close to being but has competed for light heavyweight champion glover Teixeira. 
Yeah, uh, Tiago Santos, uh, I think we forgot because he's been away for so long, you know, get with that leg injury. He had a, devast a devastating recovery. He's been working so hard to get back. But this fucking dude's leg kicks are no, no, no joke. Remember, he was the guy that smashed Anthony Leinhardt Smith before they all got fired up on him. So Tiago Santos is going to come in here and absolutely murder the old lion and Glover Teixeira. Like leg kicks that Santos is going to throw, the, the, the power, the agility, the fast, fast twitch muscle fibers that I was talking about, everything. This is another moment, like I said, just sat. Tiago Santos is way too good, way too young, just uh, just devastating, man. He, the way he kicks is just unreal, and he moves so well. So I, I just got Tiago Santos by devastation. Straight over to me on this one. Um, yep. Yeah, cool. No, let's start off with uh, Glover Teixeira, 31-7. and seven. 17 knockouts, nine subs, going off for $7,400 on DraftKings. Has won his last four straight, three by stoppage. Most recently committing a Rob Zombie horror-level beating of Anthony Smith that I still have nightmares about. Like, my God, Anthony Smith was picking up his teeth off the mat and handing him – the referee put his teeth in his pocket. Like, what are we talking about? How did Anthony Smith's corner not just stop that fight? They should all be brought up on charges. Anyway, it's not the point. Uh <laughs> Glover Teixeira is, like, arguably the best version of a tough guy. Like, he's 40-something years old, still winning fights, still giving people fights. Like, he just won't go away. He's like the bizarro world version of Andre Arlovsky, where, like, instead of taking life-altering beatings, he's still giving them. I don't know. It's weird. Just won't go away. Uh, going off against uh, Tiago Santos, 21-7, and 7, 15 knockouts, one sub, $8,800 on DraftKings. First fight back over a year since the John Jones fight, that, like the knee injury that you were talking about. Knockout artist, very solid stand-up game, great leg kicks. Makes much better decisions with his hands than he does with chest tattoos. Besides the point, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, in this fight, I really do. I, I, I just I don't like it for Glover. You know, he was eventually able to wear down Anthony Smith, but people forget that in the beginning of that fight, Smith was doing pretty well against him until he eventually just got tired and then uh, took 10 years off of his life. Uh, I, I just think this is a fight where Glover is going to get pieced up early and he's not going to be, he's not ever going to have a chance to implement his game plan. His legs are going to get chewed up. His chin's going to get chewed up. And in my mind, I do foresee somewhat of an Alexander Gustafsson, three uppercuts in a row, just spamming them, something like that. Puts them away, end of the night. Tiago Santos is your winner. I just want to talk a little bit about this knee injury that we're kind of brushing to the side. So, <laughs> just brush, just brushing to the side. Well, it's a huge like, fucking like, thing. Like he had a leg injury. He had a knee no. injury. Let, let me give this a full breakdown. So the dude fights against John Jones. He hurts his knee, still finishes the fight. So an MRI after the fact. Okay. So this is what, well, this was his knee. He tore his. ACL, MCL, PCL, and the meniscus all in his left knee. He did not have a knee. He was basically like tremendous quad muscle to tremendous calf muscles. And that was the only reason it stayed together was just the sheer size of the dude's leg muscles. It was literally <laughs> the only reason. It was basically dangling there. I don't know how the dude was walking, but he was able to pull it off. He hasn't fought in over a year. Then when he's finally getting close to fighting, he gets COVID. And so we're at oh, you like about a year and a half of no fighting with a horrifically damaged knee with decent takedown defense, but really it was all a stand-up affair against John Jones. Going against Glover Teixeira, who his main go-to in his last like four fights has getting the crap beat out of me for a round, 
taking you down in the second round and beating you into submission until you give up. I know that Tiago Santos can absolutely put out Glover Teixeira. <laughs> I'm very much aware. But there is no way that Tiago Santos is feeling that good on that leg that he's thrown with that much power at the start. And he may even rock Glover. He may even put Glover down on his butt. But somehow, half-conscious, Glover Teixeira will eventually get Tiago Santos down. And it's going to be a weird fight. And he might get the finish. If this was not a main event... This would be my bet on the card, mainly because at plus 200 for Glover Teixeira, who has done this exact thing versus contenders for the last like three years, I just I see it happening, especially this being the first fight back after such a long time off with the knee. I'm going to bet this personally. This is not a pick on the show because main event and we have a bad luck betting main events. So I'm not even going to do it. We don't like main events. We don't like main events, right? Main events don't go well well for us. After a main event, look, we bet a main event. We lose. Then we don't bet it anymore. Three and zero. Three and zero. If you go back, if you go back to any fucking loss, I almost guarantee you it was a fucking main event. I, would I say guarantee it. Our losses are our main events, which yeah. doesn't sound like a lot, but when you yeah. go anywhere from occasionally one, but usually two to three bets per card for we're at this is our sixty second show in this new format. That's a lot of bets for all of your losses being ones that you've given in main events pretty much. So that's why this is not an official bet for this. This is my own guilty pleasure so that if he does win, I could say, hey, see ya. And if he does lose, then I get to be like, see, that's why we don't bet main events. Yeah, and Mikey Gills and I are about devastation. Tiago Santos going to yes. absolutely murder Glover Deshera's legs. Murder Third round him, submission. Period. Third round submission. <laughs> we will be back to argue next week. If Deal. Santos wins this fight, I am drawing a Thor hammer on my chest, and that's how we're doing the show next week. I'm putting it out there right now. If he wins, <laughs> what if Glover Teixeira submits him at the end of the second or beginning of the third round? Well, I was there for the John Jones fight versus Glover, so one of you guys can just break my elbow or something. Like, no like twist it behind you and just be like, yeah. this is how we fight now. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> And obviously we will, I'm totally for getting absolute crap next week, or I'm absolutely for sitting here like I'm the smartest man alive, which I mean, I do anyway, but that's okay. No, Glover's got a great, Glover has a great chance to land the, to do something, but I mean, it's, uh, if Santos comes with his, with the way I know he can, he should win. Oh no, if Santos did not completely destroy his knee, and if he has not been off for over a year like he has been, and has been shown to be able to be taken down, like, I remember when, although he ended up, now I can't remember the result of that fight, I remember for at least part of the fight, um, God, what's his name? Was that the guy with the long, pretty boy that you hate? What's it? Uh, Elias Theodoro. I remember Elias Theodoro being able to take Tiago Santos down. And, Fucking hair boy. Yeah. Was able to put him up against the cage and take him down at spots. Glover, if he can do it, Glover Teixeira can for sure do it. Yeah, up a weight class. It sounds terrible. I take everything back. They're wrong. If he (laughs) it's going to be he was getting his butt kicked for like six minutes of the entire fight, and then he like unconscious gets a takedown or like grabs a knee and just starts twisting, and that's just how it goes. Similar to like pretty much most of his wins over the last. Pretty much since he uh, lost to Gustafson, but either way. So, uh, Mikey Gills, I know we're going back and forth on this last one, but Mikey Gills, if you please, your DraftKings lineup All right, for UFC so Vegas 13. I, yeah, let's go, Rob. Again, uh, to recap, we're coming off a 486.5-point week, so I'm looking to 
not only match that, but I'm looking to improve it. And to do that, we are going to start off with the point master himself, Alexander Romanov, going off for $9,000. And I really hope you listened to us last time about this guy because mid-8,000s was the cheapest price you're ever going to see on this dude. Nothing has changed for this fight except his price tag. He's going to ragdoll Dilema for as long as he wants until he gets the finish. Romanov is just a different type of dude. Go ahead and get on the train now because he is going places in this division. Next up, Tiago Santos. Bob, do not get mad at me. $8,800. I am not scared of the knee injury. Not scared, Bob. <laughs> I'm not scared of Glover's Vatter and Seve either. I fully expect Dude, Santos to bring the fight. To, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Dude, Look, he's been this- training in his own personal garage at his own personal gym with his own little boys for the last like decade. He's been primed for this. He's ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough anyway whereas att is falling apart everyone's leaving att they're no longer there who's tiago santos even training with it, it doesn't matter he's training with his new knee that's all that matters <laughs> <laughs> he's got how, how many ligaments did he blow four he's got four new friends that's how every I look ligament that's in your knee he tore <laughs> <laughs> all right regardless i'm picking them anyway i'm so on. glad I, i'm so glad i don't have as a bet because i don't have to hear it that's <laughs> true Brent, moving on to Brendan Allen. You guys, are you guys mad at me now, Brendan Allen? No, 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 no. Me, not me. I wasn't mad at all, bro. All right, yeah, it's just another guy who makes up rain points when he fights. I expect Allen to dominate on the madness fight between the go. takedowns, transition, strikes on the ground, and maybe even the finish. I expect Allen to cash out like the pit boss is owing to his card counting scheme. Let's go, eighty-four hundred dollars. Next up, Yvonne Lewis, 8,200. I rewatched that fight against Uriah Hall, and he looked really good on the feet for the first two rounds before he got caught late when he was slowing down. The talent is there. It's just a matter of him making Giles fight his fight, which I think he can do. If he wins, I'm thinking that's a knockout, and I'll take those points all day. Next up, Claudia Gadelia, 7,900. We just went over it. This fight is just all about who can implement their game plan, and I truly believe that Claudia Gadelia can do it. And like what uh, Real Mike was saying earlier, Jan, if you're thinking about picking her, remember the opponent that she's fighting. It's somebody who's going to take away that volume that she has, and it's one of the reasons I'm going with Cadelia. Again, $7,900. She's also a high four play, which I like. She's a very active fighter. A couple of takedowns. They start adding up. Did you say four play with Claudia? Did I say that? I felt like it was smooth. No, right, Ortega says that, but that's. I swore you said. I, I swore something about Claudia and Gadelli on foreplay, but I'll, I'll sorry. I'm in, I'm disgusting. I'm it, look. That's it's a it's a possibility. We'll run the tape back. I'm gonna check it as soon as we get out to do these timestamps. Anyway, uh, Ramiz Brahimov is our last guy. Seventy seven hundred dollars. Simple pick here. I don't think this price is at all realistic. I understand it because he's a lesser-known fighter or less experienced, but he's an aggressive submission machine. I am picking this dude to win the fight outright, and if he wins, it's going to be by submission. Uh, He's a big cash underdog, and I expect big things out of him. Again, $7,700. Just to recap this entire DraftKings lineup, Alexander Romanov, Tiago Santos, Brendan Allen, Bavon Lewis, Claudia Gazelia, and Ramiz Brahimov. Let's go. Let's go. points. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, I, again with writing stuff down, you don't even understand how some how like oddly satisfying it is when something ends right on a minute mark. It's just like it gets you like these weird happy feels that I never knew I would ever experience before. But right there, boom, <laughs> right on the ten, right on the ten. I'll explain that to you in the DMs, people. Well, just I don't, if it I was a week pictures. ago, we could have made it land on eleven, eleven, and it would have been good it's luck true, for that lineup. True. We go for the lineup. Next, next time we're gonna shoot for the eleven. Next time we'll shoot for the eleven. Well, you know what? We will be back next week to preview UFC Vegas fourteen. Yes, we're still in Vegas. Yes, they need other names. Makashev versus RDA. Now, before I get to the final outro, since I'm here with two proud Americans in general, 
any final thoughts before we bid adieu until next week? Real Mike. Now I just love and appreciate all you out there listening, uh, taking your time to listen to us while there's an election going on. Uh, Joe Rogan uh, live podcast going on. I know it, uh, a lot of options. So we appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, we are one of the first podcasts that puts out bets, puts out a show. So uh, stoked to be one. Hope to have you uh, as listeners and come back each and every week. Um, not too much for me, except for the fact that regardless of what you're looking at right now, I do plan on renouncing my American citizenship as soon as Romanov wins his next fight. I will be Moldovan the next time we do a show. Let's go. Good night to all. You and Roy Jones, Roy Jones Jr. can just be Russian citizens. Perfect. <laughs> um, I guess the only thing for me before I go into the outro is just we're not making this anything political. Just no matter what happens tonight. Don't start burning stuff down. That's that's just not cool. So that, I think yeah. that's probably everything we could all agree on. That I, no matter what happens tonight, don't just stay in your house. That's just I just, live on just, the just outskirts of a city that was burned down a couple of years ago. So I'm way too close to the action. I can't deal with this right now. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Either way, well, don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, RSS Feed. And before I even get to the other subscribe part, I'm going to get to that in a second. I have a bone to pick with all of you, whether you're listening or watching. I very much appreciate you listening. I very much appreciate you watching. We know the numbers. We know we have a lot of people listening. We have a lot of people watching. We are growing pretty much week after week. It's kind of an upward trajectory consistently. I need at least a couple of you guys to write some reviews on Apple Podcasts. The reviews do amazing. That's what boosts us to the higher points on lists so other people find us. I mean, obviously you sharing it directly does that too. But the reason we want these reviews, whether it be even, even like direct messages to us or on Apple Podcasts is to do what you guys want. Give us an honest review. We will, like we've always said, we'll change for you. We're all for changing for the fans because this is for you guys. We like doing it, but it's for you guys. If you like a segment, cool, we'll expand it. If you don't like a segment, We'll mix it. If you want more fan questions during the show, we will do that. Or we'll have an entire fan episodes for the weeks that we don't have show, we don't have events. These are all possibilities, but we need feedback. Give us feedback. And then remember to subscribe to us on YouTube for these full-length shows or the tidbits that will be coming out. That's what the time stands for. That's what the writing's for. We're just trying to give to you more. We're just trying to give. <laughs> all you do is take. All you do is take. Sorry. Lack of sleep. <laughs> like, comment, <laughs> to spread the word and with that let's roll